Welcome to the Conscious Marketing Podcast, where marketers come to look themselves in the mirror and discover how to unlock their superpowers. In this episode, we unravel the impact of storytelling that uses the hero's journey and ask, are we helping or hurting society? Jay Bear from Convince and Convert joins us to help us review whether or not we should shift the story and what might stand in our way. Jay Bear is the founder of Convince and Convert and the New York Times bestselling author of five books. Jay has advised more than 700 companies since 1994, including Caterpillar, Nike, Allstate, the United Nations, and 32 of the Fortune 500. His Convince and Convert media division owns the world's number one content marketing blog and the world's top marketing podcast. As the creator of five multi-million dollar companies, Jay is an active venture capitalist and technology advisor, as well as an avid tequila collector and certified barbecue judge. Learn more at convinceandconvert.com. Jeff Livingston is the founder of Livingston Campaigns and Livingston Photography. He's a marketing leader, a buzz creator, a published author, and a social fundraiser. As an online marketer and social fundraiser, Jeff has helped brands and nonprofits raise more than $225 million online. And now he leverages the gig economy to make CMO-level talent and marketing project execution available for companies of all sizes. You can learn more at livingstoncampaigns.com. And that brings us to me. I'm Nicole Kelly, the founder of the Conscious Marketing Institute, a marketing visionary, industry innovator, and quantum healer. I have a track record for creating evolutionary change in the marketing industry. As an early pioneer in social media measurement, I wrote the book, How to Measure Social Media, and created many of the data standards that are still in use today. But then life took an interesting turn, and after three minor strokes and a near-death experience that were caused from over three decades on the hamster wheel of success, I founded the Conscious Marketing Institute, where we have a mission to inspire marketers to unlock their superpowers so together we can help humanity step into its full potential. Learn more at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Please join Jeff and I in a warm welcome for today's guests, and together, let's create an industry-wide evolution of consciousness. Well, hello, and welcome back to the Conscious Marketing Podcast. I am so excited because today we are joined with the amazing Jay Bear. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and I'm actually uh, conscious, so that's, that's good news. We're <laughs> off to a flying start here. <laughs> yeah, we're already ahead of the game. You could do like a sister program, which is marketers who are unconscious. Like, and you just sort of like observe them while they're sleeping. It'd be, it'd be kind of creepy, but also fascinating. Right. <laughs> That's my there. gift to you is that kind of high quality idea. <laughs> Thank you. Or just like they're walking around like zombies, you know? <laughs> also, yeah, which is mostly conferences. So <laughs> uh, right. especially day three. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're super excited because we brought you here to have a very interesting conversation and I'll be honest like I have not seen this conversation happen in the marketing community at all and it's talking about unraveling the true impact of the hero's journey with the intention of asking the question as marketers are we helping or hurting society so for those of you who may or may not be familiar with the hero's journey basically it goes like this at the very beginning of the story there's a call to adventure there's some something that says oh i've got this mission that's so important and then in part two we get to this initiation of where i have to do something special in order to get my superpowers in order to defeat whatever villain i have identified 
In part three, you have this transformation of where I now have all of these superpowers, I have what I need, all the resources are available, I defeat the villain, and then we get to part four, where it's the hero's return. Now it's the road back. It's, you know, the end of the story, the fairy tale has, uh, we are at the happy ending, if you will. Typically in a hero's journey, there are uh, three main players. There's a hero, obviously, the person who's there to save everyone else. There's at least one villain or sometimes many villains. And there's always one victim, somebody or something that is going to be harmed in the story if the hero doesn't save the day. One of the, the tenets of this, um, this kind of storytelling that many people miss, even in that kind of four-part series, is that there's these themes that come through. So the hero has to defeat the villain to save the victim. The hero, when this is the one that I see most often that we miss when we start to analyze the hero's journey, is that the hero reaches a point of surrender where they give up. There's some part in the story where it's like, I, I can't do it, I'm gonna... <laughs> You know, they're going to win. It's the and, wall. It's the running wall. They hit the wall, right? Right. And then, and then suddenly, in that moment, their superpowers kick in, and then they're able to go and defeat the villain. So that's kind of the story of what we've been using in marketing for decades at this point. And as we look at the impact of this and kind of setting up the conversation here, what I wanted to really talk about is how this has impacted society. And so I looked at a couple stats and I was a little surprised by the stats actually. And I am looking to commission a, a, a report, a research uh, report that looks at ad spending compared to some key metrics. And one of them is that, you know, more than 10, 10 million people are in jail across the world and most certainly viewed as villains in our society. And then we also have this other interesting connection of that globally more than 300 million people are suffering from depression and 260. 60 million are suffering from anxiety disorders. And as you look at the adrenal response to a hero's journey story, it gets us, it, it, it fires off our adrenals, right? We get this like, this, this anxiety of, are they gonna win and is it gonna work out? And so that I guess to start out, like looking at these two stats, looking at the hero's journey, you know, what do you guys, like what's your perspective on this and, and what's your most memorable exposure to like the hero's journey tale. When's the first time you're, your first hero story that you remember? I mean, it, what's fascinating about this is, you know, Joseph Campbell wrote that book a long time ago, right? This is not, this is not new information, right? but it has become a thing uh, sort of much later in its, it's always sort of a thing at some level, but now it's all over, right? You hear about it all the time. There's lots of books written about it now. Um, Donald Miller's got a great new one, Becoming a Story Brand. There's podcasts uh, devoted to storytelling. Probably one of the best known ones is, is Park Howell's show, The Business of Story, which I used to produce. Um, there's just a lot of conversation about the hero's journey because, and I think it's, it's A, because it's sort of attractive at the psychological level, but also because as paid advertising, as, as uh, that style of communications and marketing has waned in effectiveness, we've had a corresponding increase in content marketing. Well, that all made a lot of sense until people stopped paying attention to content. And then we thought, well, geez, maybe if we're going to create content, there should actually be a hero's journey in here so that people actually give a shit. And, and so while I'd like to think that 
everybody has embraced the hero's journey and that concept because they just want to be better storytellers and they want to, uh, you know, be, be more interesting. It's because other things don't work, right? It's sort of like, well, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. So now let's embrace the hero's journey as something that might work. Um, and it, and it does done well, it does work and you see it everywhere. I think perhaps the, it's certainly not my first exposure to it, but, but I think the one that's most pervasive right now is Fortnite, right? The Fortnite video game is, has taken over the world. Like it is, it is out of control. Like there's not, not been enough media coverage on it yet in my estimation, but there's been nothing like it. I mean, it is unprecedented, the level of play of that game. And the whole thing is it's Hunger Games, right? It's Hunger Games in graphic. I mean, it's from, from the first pixel to the last pixel, the entire premise of the game is Hero's Journey, right? In played right. out in real time across, you know, PlayStations and computers and phones all over the world. I mean, it's a whole company just based on that, which is remarkable to me. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think too, I, I just came out of a brand where we built the entire presence around making teachers heroes. And what we did with that, and it's no different than you see in other brands, and it's not any different than other situations. We were just extremely overt about it to the point where we were even giving away superhero capes. Yeah, had like right, people right. running up and down trade show aisles with uh, superhero capes on, and they loved it. They would, they would literally get four yeah. or five people deep around our booth clamoring for the capes. Um, <clears throat> and in the case of teachers, which was the target audience for this, they do feel maligned. And I think like when you talk about this superhero type of context and this storyline, the reason why this works is a lot of people feel like, and particularly in this digital era, uh, isolated, alone, uh, not appreciated. Uh, they're gaming for likes or loves or whatever online amongst their family and friends. They feel irrelevant compared to the context of the larger world and the things that are happening it's almost like we're being thrown back into the industrial revolution and that isolation of man that or woman that a lot of people talked about in their early 1900s and it's it's very prescient right now i feel like in the digital world and so this hero's journey really appeals to people people feel like if i only had a superpower or if people only acknowledged how awesome i was or am then everything would be great. And so I think when marketers tap into that, they're really hitting a, sub, a very uh, sore but subvertive, prescient wound in the psyche. Um, and in that sense, it's, uh, it's really powerful. At the same time, that could be really deceiving. And uh, that creates another set of issues altogether. Yeah. Well, yeah, go ahead. I, and we've had this conversation, right, of the dangers of selling to the heart when you don't understand what's happening in, in the heart of humanity and where that wounding is and what you're bringing up for people. And I think the interesting thing for me is that, you know, this story started very young in my life, like fairy tales. You know, I was a girl. Like, you, you hear all the stories of princesses being saved by princes in the tower. And the interesting thing is that no one ever tells the story after. No one ever tells the story of what happened after the happy ending. And now we're starting to see it a little bit come out in these you know, sequels and stuff. But the picture after really is how do you maintain this level of fulfillment in your life after you've had that moment of success. And so we can, we're consistently on the rise up as a society looking for that pinnacle peak and then when we get there, rather than celebrating it, we're actually saying, okay, now it's time for the next one. And so we're right. in this constant state of um, 
endorphins being fired. And so we're constantly looking for those endorphins to be fired. And when we don't find them, what do we do? We turn to substances, we turn to, you know, something else to kind of give us that endorphin fire, fire. But where it's triggered from is acceptance and approval from others. And right. that's where I feel like the hero's journey, like as marketers, we have uh, a responsibility and an onus to humanity to really understand that we, we have told a story that tells people the way that you get to success is by having a bunch of people feel like you saved them from something. What's funny too, because in that brand I was referring to, we were very, very careful about the way we crafted that experience, that hero experience. Instead of saying like, use us and you'll be a hero. It was more, hey, you know, teachers are underappreciated heroes that go to work every day and try to shape the future of America. You know, you're trying to inspire children. You're trying to make the next future scientist, engineer, astronaut, because again, we were science games back uh, and inspiring children to like science is hard in America. And so we're letting you know, we appreciate you and the job that you do. And yep. yeah, if you use us, you'll have another superpower in your toolkit of superpowers. And, and we just kind of tried to go in that way and acknowledge them for what they were doing. But it was intentional because I think the letdown you could create, not only for the person, but for your brand, if you overpromise what you can deliver with your super awesomeness, it, it, it can be, uh, quite substantial. And I think people too also always underestimate the customer. Customer knows you're bullshitting them. Whether or not they like yeah. the bullshit and they want to put it on their back is another story. You know, if it's fun and it's campy and everybody's doing it tongue in cheek, yeah, it's great. But if you're really saying that you're going to make me a, 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 the next generation of superhero, then I don't walk out of there or I'm going to be a much better person as a result of this. Well, I think that's the danger from a marketing standpoint, right? As more and more companies and products and services gravitate towards this form of storytelling because it works at this moment. Uh, you know, as, as Gary Vaynerchuk has said, marketers ruin everything because as soon as we, as soon as we find a good idea, we all do that same idea until that idea doesn't work anymore. And, and I just wonder if that's going to happen here, if there's going to be a, a point in time when if you buy X, this, you know, Y will happen to you starts to work less well because people sort of roll their eyes to that. And already it's like, look, you know, is ramen going to make me a lunch superhero? Like, you know, is Charmin going to make me a, you know, a, a bottom superhero? Like I don't, you know, at some level it's just overplayed, I think, um, yeah. uh, you know, but I like, I like the distinction that you made, Jeff, that if you say, Hey, you're already a hero we're just magnifying your heroism by using our product or service. I think that's, that's more intellectually honest and addresses some of the questions that Nicole had versus your shit. And now if you use our thing, you're awesome. Right. Which is, which, which really does uh, feed into people's insecurities, you know, for your own uh, profit and gain. And, and we didn't, we haven't talked about it yet, but I think where we see this, most egregiously, and, and, and I would argue dangerously might not be the word I would use, Nicole might use it, but is in the, all the online courses, right? I mean, how many people do we know out there who frankly don't know anything about anything, but, but they're making <laughs> hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars selling online courses to people who are like, please just take my money so that I can learn X and can become Y. 
Um, I, I, you know, there's a reason why I don't do very many courses. Partially, I don't understand that business. And partially, I just don't feel good about it. Uh, I, right. I feel incredibly comfortable about taking a company's money. I don't feel as comfortable <laughs> about taking a person's money other than in the form of a book, um, which is why we're always really, you know, sort of small and quiet about courses that convince and convert. It's just not, I, I just don't feel right about it. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody who's in the online course business has, um, you know, has, has, you know, sort of negative intent or, or is some kind of um, bad actor. That's not the case. There's lots of people out there who do great work, who are amazing at it, who are really helping people build their lives and build their businesses. But I don't think I'm speaking out of school to suggest that there are a number of people who treat that industry as a gold rush. And, yeah. and, and your mining ore are the lives and the financial resources of, of people. And I don't think that's necessarily a trend that we should all get behind. Yeah, the interesting thing is I experienced that directly where um, my son came to me and he said, mom, I really, I want to buy this like program for $197 and I'm going to use my own money, but I need a debit card. And so I need you to pay for it. And it turned out at long, it's a kind of a long circle around, but the guy who actually created the program is a friend of mine. And it was basically teaching you how to get women and <laughs> called the Dow of Badass. And it was like how this you know, guy who was shy was able to go and get, you know, beautiful women. And, and even he now. $197 seems like a small price to pay for that hero's <laughs> journey. I just want to. Yeah. Oh, but the thing is, is that you're taking someone who's already shy and right. you're capitalizing on it. And even he now, like he ended up selling the company and he's doing a bunch of consciousness stuff. Now, actually he creates, um, sacred medicines. And so it's really interesting because he was a friend of mine. And so I was able to have this conversation with him after he had created this multi-million dollar information product business and then felt really uncomfortable with what he was selling afterwards. And I, and, and I can say that, you know, I have a lot of respect for him because he had that perspective. I think most companies would just continue down the path. And because it's, it's, it is, it's a gold rush. I mean, that business is still up and operating and they're using the same content that he created decades ago. Yeah. Right. And they're still making money. So there's a lot of lonely people, right? I mean, yeah. oh. and like, what does that tell us about this hero's journey? Right? Like if we look at this as, Hey, okay, we all agree that probably, I mean, what would you say over the last three or four decades, would be my estimation. The hero's journey has become the center of storytelling and marketing, advertising, and media. And I mean, just look at Marvel. I mean, like crazy. Like right. it's the center of entertainment. It's it's nuts. I mean, if Disney is just basically beating the daylights out of every single movie house in Hollywood. And they're doing it with two forms of story, three forms of hero worship, right? One is Marvel, two is Star Wars, and three is like Princess City, right? And that's all they do now. They just kill them, man. And, and they have like the top grossing movies in the world. And they're going to have the top grossing movie in the world in like four weeks because of this. It's insane. We are so desperate to feel good inside. And going to an Avengers movie or watching Ray kick ass is our way of leaving our lives and seeing that happen in a fantasy. Well, and likely because we want everybody, I think at our core, you know, if you it just it, like look at our programming design of humans, what we all want is to feel accepted, to feel safe, 
and to feel like we have some kind of semblance of control over our future, right? And so this particular storyline really hits on that approval button and that success button of whatever success looks like, like having the amount of success that you want, however you're a hero in business and you know, in your daily life, it doesn't matter. And so if everybody wants that at the core, you know, Jeff, I really, I really like how you talked about, like, we made the teachers the hero. You know, I think there is a part of this story that is valuable. And it's the, it's the, you already are a superhero. You already have access to superpowers here. Let us help you uncover them. Let us help you, you know, guide your way there or show you something that maybe you didn't know before that's going to help you. And Jay, honestly, like, you know, the Conscious Marketing Institute is the first, it's a training organization. And the reason that I was inspired to create a training organization is because I realize that there is no training available to help marketers look themselves in the mirror and do their own work so that they don't take their own wounding and put it into messaging out to humanity. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we've always needed that affirmation. We just need it a little bit more now because we're, we're constantly comparing ourselves to everybody else. Uh, we have scoreboards now that we didn't used to have, right? Um, and that's why all the new data show that people who use social media are less happy than people who don't, which is probably not how we had it intended it to work. Um, and because we, we've got this constant, you know, affirmation, it's a slot, a slot machine of attention and how many likes did I get and all those kind of things. And so that's unhealthy, I think, obviously. But, but I think we've always wanted to, to feel empowered. We've always felt smaller than um, our surroundings. I just feel like, to Jeff's point, we're just so much better at it now, right? I mean, we, you know, you, you think about how much better um, a superhero, think about how much better the Avengers is, you know, than like the original Spider-Man back in the day. Right? We're just, we're, we've just gotten, you know, fast forward 25 years, right? We're just so much better at telling stories because we've done it so many more times. We have it totally perfected. It's just optimization. The same way you do digital marketing optimization. It's storytelling optimization. So you say storytelling optimization plus a group of people a few billion people who are not feeling that great about themselves because every day they get to see how much people like them, you know, creates this like amazing opportunity. Love today's guest. Here's how you can learn more. The customer expectations genie is not going back in the bottle. What was an extraordinary content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing program just two years ago is commonplace today. You need to continue to level up and we can help you at Convince and Convert. We're a strategy firm that works with some of the world's most interesting brands to take their content, social and digital programs to greater heights. Maybe we can help you. Come visit us at convinceandconvert.com. And now let's get back to the show you know, creates this like amazing opportunity. You take 25 years of storytelling optimization and you combine it with a few billion people who aren't feeling that great against, about themselves because they're measuring against one another every minute of every day uh, via social media posts. And you have sort of a perfect storm for financial windfalls with, with movies, with TV, with video games, with, with everything that plays out the hero's journey uh, and adds that dose of escapism. I, I think there's a, there's, um, a reason why superhero movies in the Marvel universe and the DC universe are doing so well now. Part of it's self-propelled, of course, but but it's it's extra escapism, right? So there's lots of movies out there that that use the hero's journey as a plot, but but don't add the 
you know, extra dimension of the future and superheroes and, and, you know, you have those superpowers. So this is hero's journey plus superpower. Hero's journey plus not superpower um, is just not as interesting, right? And it's just not as visceral. It's interesting too, because uh, you, you can already see the backlash starting to come with Deadpool and other types of uh, anti-hero yeah. marketing. Yeah. Like Soleil, my daughter, um, and you can, children are often sponges for this stuff with the marketing and the media, and they kind of just soak it up and eat it up in a very disturbing way, as any parent will tell you. But uh, when Soleil saw the Maleficent movie, which was basically the anti-hero's journey, yeah. right? Yeah. She all of a sudden said, and turned to me and said, I don't want to be a princess anymore. I want to be like her. Because like there's a real person, right? You know, yeah. who's going through stuff, who conquers the world, not not in a sense of like ruling it, but just yeah. finds her place in it. And I think it's the same thing for Deadpool. And I think that's why in the original Star Wars trilogy, everybody loved Han Solo more sure. because he was a sure. rogue, man. He was a yep. scumbag. And yep. You know, he was human. And there's going to come a point where we just, uh, I think we put this thing on such a high pedestal that we're going to be forced to look at more John Wick types of characters and come back to, to reality, I hope. I hope. Well, and if, and if the message is that everybody can be a hero, I'm not sure that that makes sense or, or is actually appropriate. I mean, it's... It, it, it's it's sort of a societal version of everybody gets a trophy, right? That that you know everybody everybody gets the participation ribbon. Um, like, yeah, I guess everybody could be a hero, but to make people believe they are going to be a hero feels a little bit disingenuous to me sometimes. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, you know, so two pieces of that, right? So now we're glamorizing villains. And our and this is this is marketing that is directly done at our children and starts at a very young age. You know, it starts at like like one and two years old. You start to see superhero yeah. characters start coming out. So this is literally conditioning our children to think that there are three types of people in the world: heroes, villains, and victims. And now, where we've always glamorized heroes, now we're starting to glamorize the villains who are taking advantage of people and, and really in a service to self mentality versus service to others this is like this is a big deal you know for us as the programming that essentially we all grow up with and defines our beliefs about humans because what happens with this you know if you look around your life i'm sure we could all tell stories of where we've been a hero where someone has thought we're a villain where we felt like a victim. And if you look around all the relationships in your life, you can identify whether or not someone right. is a hero, right. villain, or victim, right? Yeah. And so this is becoming the fabric that is in our DNA of how we identify ourselves. And, you know, so like to say that everyone is a superhero, well, the truth of it is we are all superheroes. Like when you start to really get inside and do your internal work, you realize that, hey, I'm totally unique. Nobody's ever had my life experience. And if you look at my life experience, then wow, like no one's ever experienced this before. So I am uniquely special. And then you really start to tap into your true human abilities and you start to realize that we actually do have superpowers as humans. There are things that we have access to that we're not taught, that we're not trained on how to access. And when you start to do your internal work, you start to realize like, wow, like 
like the world is made up of energy and I have access to that energy. The world, like how things are created is a little bit different than this physical tangible thing that, you know, we think it's like creating money then creates something else while creating energy also creates something else. And so I believe that everybody is already a superhero. What we're witnessing right now is where they are in their journey of remembering it. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I like the anti-hero uh, narrative so much is that it's, um, I think it's much more of a complex person when you have that somebody that, you know, has flaws or is reluctant or is normal, <laughs> God forbid. And, uh, you know, then they, they, they step up and the moment makes the person, the moment makes the woman or the man. And, uh, I think that's much more realistic. And I think that's why people seem to identify with that. And getting back to some of the narratives that we've been talking about, again, I really, I, I, I look at storytelling in the massive form of in Hollywood and how that plays out. Cause I think every marketer or most marketers, 98% are hacks that will literally see this stuff and just emulate it in some way. Um, when I look at the way Star Wars works, a lot of the newer, storytelling narratives that seems to be appealing to people is how like uh i forget the characters names in the new one but the girl that was an engineer that uh gets along with uh oh yeah yeah uh, john boyden's character uh you know she's just like a, a normal girl normal woman who's like fixing airplanes and mm -hmm. the moment made the woman she rose up to it you know she was incredibly frail but then she was incredibly strong and like that's a classic example of that more complex anti-hero but I think what that evolution shows us to some extent what you were talking about Jay with optimization, but it also shows us that they know that they have to be a better uh, character. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be relatable, right? I mean, right. If, if, if you can't relate to the hero, then the whole thing misses the mark, right? If you can't see yourself in that story at some level, then, then you're just reading it at, you know, or watching it or, or participating at a distance. Um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really work. Right. Um, and yeah. and of course, marketing works the same way, right? That's why, that's why, you know, target marketing and, and marketing automation and account-based marketing and increasing relevance and personalization, all the things that are happening in digital right now uh, also tend to work better because I'm talking about Jeff and Jeff's particular circumstances or Nicole and Nicole's particular circumstances, as opposed to sending out an email newsletter to 50,000 people at once and saying, well, let's hope that this is kind of relevant. <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're trying to, again, optimize the story for the circumstances. So as you say, right, the, the moment makes the person, um, you know, I think marketers are trying to accomplish the same thing, um, but just kind of working at it backwards. Yeah, I would say the most authentic way, if you're going to use a hero's journey in storytelling, the most authentic way to use it is to tell the story of a real person. And there are plenty yeah. of examples of real heroes. Like I love the story of my friend Jason King, who basically uh, went into the crypto market and was able to raise enough funds to buy a plot of land in Florida that is now a campground for homeless people. And it was all raised through crypto donations. And he also created Unsung, which is an app where you can basically volunteer to pick up food from restaurants and deliver it to homeless people at night so it doesn't get thrown in the trash. And he's, you know, essentially ending, trying to end the, the hunger problem in the country. And this is also somebody who, when you know his personal story, he also walked across the entire country at one point in his life, you know? So there that are- That sounds terrible, actually. That last part sounds, <laughs> sounds like a terrible, 
terrible hero's journey. That sounds like a long, a long and arduous hero's journey. Right. And it's that point of the story where he gets the resolve, right? Like how much resolve does it take to walk across the country? So there are, there are people who are doing superhuman things already. And, and to tell those stories and to tell the true life story behind what makes the person the person and how they've been a hero, how they've been a victim, how they've at times been villains. I watched this uh, TED talk on, actually it was, I think with Lewis House's podcast. And it was a woman telling the story of, they were talking about bullying. And she was like, yeah, I was the bully. Like I had to look myself in the mirror and be like, man, I terrorized that girl in high school and, and be able to reconcile that. And I think we've all been, we, when we look ourselves in the mirror, we've all been all of these things. But I think that sure. the thing that we tend to turn away from is when we haven't been what we wanted. And I think those are the true moments of growth and opportunity to evolve ourselves and, and others. So I have a stupid question for everybody. Uh, well, I have two. But one is, what hero would you be if you could be any hero out there in the world? Because uh, we all kind of have that favorite superhero. And then the second one is, uh, and I have some thoughts on this, but uh, you know, what are some alternative forms of storytelling that you know, maybe as a marketer, this is what you grew up on or this is what you were trained on. What are some different ways that you can engage in storytelling without necessarily getting stuck on uh, you know, the hero's journey? Yeah. Well, on the latter, I mean, you can kind of go back to the old school, right? Which is just, you, you present the, the features and the benefits and you let people draw their own conclusion, right? They, they can determine in their own head whether this will make them a hero or not. You don't necessarily need to take them on that narrative journey. You just say, well, here's the, here's the tools in the toolbox. Um, here's, the, you know, here's how much you're going to like licorice or here's how much um, this software is going to help you and let them figure it out, right? You just sort of you, you take more of a, a data-driven approach to, to customer acquisition or customer retention. Uh, I think that's the, that's the alternative. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, or or you you just use, use sort of the old school kind of madman style tricks of the trade, right? Which is you say, look, let's communicate about this product or service using some emotions, right? And so we're not necessarily going to take you on a journey, but we're going to say, hey, we're going to use sex to sell this product. We're going to use humor to sell this product. We're going to use fear to sell this product. Um, you see it all the time in politics. You see it when people are selling cologne. Um, so there's certainly certainly things today that um, that don't. I mean, what's the hero's journey of Victoria's Secret, right? Probably not a ton. <laughs> I mean, it's not really an empowerment brand in any way, shape, or form, right? They're still using, um, and you know, there are certain products that they have that are sort of empowerment driven. But in general, uh, I think they're using a, a a playbook from from a previous era, right? Which is like let's just be you know upfront about what this does. So I think that's the alternative, Jeff, is, is, is you either use kind of emotions to sell or you use data to sell, uh, but, you, but you set the narrative part aside. Yeah, I would say, um, I, I would say those are options, right? And when you say things like, you know, we use, when we're gonna use emotions, I would just hope that people do it consciously. And using fear to sell is a bit old school and outdated. I think we could put that model down using. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, it totally works, right? I mean, look at totally look at every does. look at every political. I mean, I'm a political consultant by training, right? I mean, I used to run campaigns. That's how I got my start in marketing, uh, and and it works almost every time, which is why right. people keep doing it. 
Right. I totally get that. And I just offer that as a community of marketers, we can take a little bit of responsibility and accountability for what we're putting out there. And if we're going to sell with emotion, we sell with positive emotions because look at the impact of selling with fear. Look at the impact of selling with sex. Look at the impact of selling with the hero's journey. Our people are depressed. We're more obese than ever. We're dying of cancer. We, you know, like the, the, the truth of the matter is, is when you start to look at the correlations for the rise in advertising spend with how it's affected humanity, someone has to put their foot down and say, Hey guys, yeah, you can use fear to sell, but it's not okay anymore as a community of marketers. Like it's, it's not, this isn't cutting edge. Let's show them some alternatives. And, you know, I think with the hero's journey, you know, when you talk about optimizing the hero's journey, I think there's some pretty simple optimizations that you can make with the hero's journey that make it more conscious, which are things like telling real stories um, Mm -hmm. and really allowing people to share their emotions because the truth of the matter is as a human species our next evolution is to open our emotional bodies you know to be able to feel and process emotions we've spent decades suppressing them and having to control them wherever we are the next outlet is to actually release our emotions and so to show real people having real emotions real heroes on their real journeys and allow people to win you know allow people to win being themselves and being honest and authentic you know jay i know you and Jeff both remember in social media, we were talking about authenticity and transparency. What's well, that? I have to call authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yesterday's. That's yesterday's playbook. Oh, that's not on fake book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just have to kind of call bullshit on the industry on that because we haven't been authentic and we haven't been transparent as marketers. We haven't been transparent as companies. What we do is we manage the we manage the mix and we manage what's going out and we. Uh, craft stories that are not always true. We lie by omission. You know, when I just, I used to say, like, after I kind of really started to look in the mirror, one of the things that I struggled with was I was like, I'm a professional liar. You know, I really, like, I'm trained in how to lie and make it look really good because either I'm lying through omission or I'm, you know, creating a story that's not even real, you know, all of these things. So, yeah, just like looking in the mirror and saying, okay, like we as a group can decide that we don't want this story to be conditioning our children anymore. And we don't want it to be conditioning ourselves because we can look in the mirror and see how it's impacted us. So let's collectively as a group say, we're going to create the case studies that show there is something better than a hero's journey. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I did some research uh, uh, before the podcast and uh I ran across this guy, Steve Seeger. He wrote a blog about like how he can't do the hero journey anymore. And I I thought it was interesting given what we were going to talk about today. And uh, he actually noted that the hero's journey is really a Western form of storytelling, Mm -hmm. that there are other forms of storytelling. And I, and I read the four, like uh, I'm looking at the article here. It's Scandinavian, uh, Indian, which is Bollywood, uh, Central African, and then like, I don't even know how to pronounce that one word. Some funny word that's beyond my pay grade. And uh, so the whole thing that I thought was interesting, I read it, obviously. And he brought up the Scandinavian uh, Scandinavian narrative form uh, is basically kind of, I think, what we as marketers have been introduced to as the red thread, you know, where you have like this simultaneous common element that shows up in everything. Yeah. That all stories kind of illustrate that. They may not be 
hero stories and maybe just experiential stories, but at some point there is a gathering point where everything comes together. Yep. That red thread runs throughout. Yep. Um, and that's a very simplified version of the theory. But in the Scandinavian narrative, just to give you an idea for real stories that were very successful that have used it, for example, uh, Oscar winning movie uh, Crash, most recently Sicario, uh, yep. uh, Love Actually is another one. You know, I think Pulp Fiction is one on True. the kind of like film noir side where you have like all these different people and what, how are they all related, right? Yeah. And boom, you have um, Kirby Enthusiasm and Seinfeld on the comedy side. Right. Uh, very consistent, you know, interplay of stories and it all gets tied up at the end. Right. So I think like, you know, when you look at some brands and the way they market themselves, like for example, I've, one brand that comes to mind with this is Levi's, right? Where you just, Levi's are just a fundamental part of American life. You know, that's how I, read their brand and the red tab on your butt and all that junk. And, and some car companies are very good at doing this. And I think, frankly, I, I, it, it may be exploitative, but I mean, I think the pet industry is also very good at this, you know, about, you know, this, this, this is your friend. This is part of your life. This is somebody that you can adapt. Even charities do this, right? Like uh, all the humane society, for example, adopt an animal, make a front for life, save something, which yep. is the hero thing. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, they, they make the animal present throughout your life. You see this in different forms in different sectors. And I think that that is a very relevant, uh, omnipresent way to deliver a brand, you know, and it requires- Yeah, as long as, as, long as the, the insertion of that brand, you know, is, is, is somewhat organic, right? I think to Nicole's point when you're saying, oh, look, you know, this, this is, uh, what a coincidence, right? I mean, you know, it's very easy to, uh, to, to force that, that, uh, red thread so that, oh, and every day you stumble upon another sheepdog. That's crazy. (laughs) You can create a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of false narratives in, in the purpose of making sure that the red thread shows up all the time. Uh, and again, I'm not, I don't feel necessarily the same way that Nicole does that, 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 you know, communicating and, and, and crafting a story necessarily equates the line, but there's certainly a level of, of artifice um, in, in all the things we do, right? I mean, that's, right. you know, that's, that it, for good or bad, um, that's what being a professional communicator requires at some level. Uh, and you just have to kind of figure out where your, where your own line is drawn and, and, and at what point you're willing to uh, make that trade-off. Yeah, I think though, like when you look at the best brands, and I'm sure you agree, because I've heard you talk about it, the best ones are authentic in the sense that they actually deliver what they provide. Uh, the communication is real and the, the delivery of the actual service or product matches what's promised. So yeah. they're, they're being I think, honest. I think the best brands are not afraid to be imperfect. And, and what's right. really, I think, intriguing right now to me, and, and I think it's a sign of progress, at least at some level, uh, is you start to see some some brands that are Im- embracing imperfection, not only being lauded for that, but also succeeding. You think about the Dove, you know, Dove Stories campaign, things like that, right? Where it's like, look, this whole thing is about is about not being perfect, and there's of course many other examples, but to see that kind of work and that kind of communication uh, resonating with people and being acknowledged uh, in the industry as um, as as worthy of attention and merit, I think is uh, you know is is a good sign. Yeah, and I would say too that, you know, as an industry, we kind of have a blind spot too, right? Because we know that this story works 
and we've tested it and it has all this return on investment and we're not going to replace it until something else wins. And so we're- Yeah, I'm, yeah because nobody, you know, nobody's getting bonus for authenticity. I mean, that's the problem. Right. Yeah, we'd all like to be authentic and transparent, but that doesn't actually keep your job. Right. Uh, so Unless it does. Like we haven't tested right, it. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Until it does. Right. And in some cases it does. The guy who wrote the Dove campaign is laughing all the way to the bank. Right. So, um, yeah, it, you know, you just don't know. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's just really interesting of like what, where, where will the next story come out of? And I think it's going to be, it's going to come out of one of these conscious companies. You know, we've talked about that. We've had this rise of conscious consumerism, especially with the millennial generation saying, we want to spend our dollars with companies who are doing good in the world. So the buy one, get, give one model, yeah. like took oh. over with Tom's and Warby. Um, yeah. And, and then you have companies like Dr. Bronner's that are taking this approach of, Hey, you know, we're part of the Burning Man community. We give back, we believe in leave no trace. We're, you know, using conscious products, like conscious, not putting chemicals in your soaps and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing these companies be very successful. And I think the latest stat was 86% of consumers want to buy from companies who are doing good in the world. The Conscious Marketing Podcast is sponsored by the Conscious Marketing Institute. Learn more at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Are you ready to go further? Check out the latest free masterclasses and upcoming courses Learn more at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Am I striking a chord for you today? You can hire me too. Learn how at ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com. Just click on services. Are you loving what Jeff is laying down? You should hire him. Learn more at LivingstonCampaigns.com. I really like seeing something happen that impacts people. There's nothing quite like building a product or a service or helping a cause where you get to see the customer or the end user really feel awesome or smile because this changed the way they think about the world. When you do something like that, that has lasting impact. And there's only three types of campaigns you can buy, fundraising, product launch, or some major corporate initiative. Learn more at livingstoncampaigns.com. And now let's get back to the show. So we're seeing these companies be very successful. And I think the latest stat was 86% of consumers want to buy from companies who are doing good in the world. So when we talk about this next evolution, I think the next evolution is really that will beat out the hero's journey. My intuition says it's going to be a story about how a company took a product and did something meaningful in the world with it. And when you're doing something meaningful in the world and we're showing that having an impact beyond yourself, that's beyond you know, having status, that's beyond feeling good just within yourself, but when that extends out to helping others feel good or taking care of the environment or whatever that might look like, and we make that the, the red thread that runs through society of being in service is actually the thing that is most desirable, because we decide that as marketers, we say what's desirable and what's not, then I think that not only will marketing become more effective, but then I, I feel better about that as a marketer. I feel like I'm doing a service that is beyond selling, hawking somebody's product. Yeah, right. there's two things to that though. I mean, one, it, that's not marketing, that's an operational decision, right? So if you're gonna be a company that's a conscious company that's buy one, give one, using sustainable products, um, zero global carbon footprint, that's not a marketing decision, that's an operations decision, number one. And number two, I think it's the same thing. If, if you feel better about yourself because you bought Tom's shoes instead of other shoes, that is a hero's journey. You're the hero. 
Right. 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 And so I don't think that's a difference at all. I think it's the exact same playbook, but, but it actually has, you know, sort of a meritorious outcome, but I don't right. see that as a different, as a different storytelling device at all. I think it's actually the exact same. Cause marketing can be really awesome if it's authentic, right? It has to be authentic yeah. and really appeal to the brand. So in the case of Tom's, I think that's a very authentic brand where they, they wanted to do something and they built a business model to do that. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at KFC and pink buckets and how they're going to donate a right. bunch of money NFL, to COVID right? after they you know, the NFL is wearing pink cleats and the whole thing is like a sponsorship. <laughs> it's like you bullshit, know? right? It's yeah. just like, yeah, come on. No, I'm not suggesting that those players don't care about breast cancer and I'm sure many of them have been affected uh, first or second hand. So I don't want to say that. That's that's not right. But but yeah. to suggest that like there's this groundswell, it's a sponsorship deal, right? Right. Just, like you can't be KFC and say you're really caring about uh, breast cancer and helping women and men that have breast cancer and then load them up with like 50 milligrams of trans fat in a big old pink bucket, you know, come on, have it. Well, and, or even, or even the thing about tomorrow. The, you know, standing for the, standing for the um, national anthem in the NFL. Right. And, and this, this whole, you know, crazy, um, you know, super oh, vitriolic issue and declining ratings as a result, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, what doesn't get talked about in that conversation is, is the tens of millions of dollars that the United States Armed Forces pays the NFL every year as a sponsorship. Right. So every team's got a game where it's Armed Forces Day and, and the Armed Forces sort of sponsors the national anthem, all these kind of things. Right. So it's not it, it, it you know how would you feel about that as immaterial? It's just that we should make sure we acknowledge that there's a massive financial transaction at play here as well. And that never gets talked about. Uh, and right. That's probably disingenuous. And the other well, issue too. Oh, go ahead, Nicole. Sorry. I was just going to say, not only is there a major financial transaction, but just looking at, you know, Susan Komen and the breast cancer awareness, like looking at where that money actually goes, it's actually funding pharmaceutical research for that's going to benefit pharmaceutical companies rather than looking at holistic research and alternative medicine research. So, you know, I, like I, I like to pull back the veil. And when I start to pull back the veil on big charity, what I see are high executive salaries, low impact with all the money that we've raised for breast cancer. You know, I, I have to ask questions like, why haven't we cured it yet? If we're really putting the money into the right places, why haven't we cured it? Because we've cured many other things and cancer, you know, we're looking for a pharmaceutical alternative. And so, you know, pulling back the curtain on all of this stuff of looking at who benefits is where you start to see where the money is going and where the authenticity starts to wane. Right. I would actually argue too with the NFL, and, and I'd be interested to hear both of your points on this as well. In the case of the National Football League, I feel like the national anthem thing, whichever side of the issue you're on, I feel like that was the tipping point that they had basically undermined their customer base for years, you know, both through the violence, through the owners acting out, through the high ticket prices, through some of the just blatant consumerism that they promote, and also the way that they treated brands, not letting anybody talk about the Super Bowl, you know, making right. people pay fees. I mean, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, Honestly, I had stopped watching football two years before that because of all the junk that was going on in the league. And, and I feel like that this it just finally came around full circle, that this was the issue that broke the back, a straw, if you would, that broke the camel's back, as opposed to it being the reason why people stop watching football. Yeah, what's interesting about that is, is some people say, well, it's just sports, right? That, that we are in a post-sports 
uh, era, but we're not, right? I mean, NBA is record ratings now two or three years in a row, much bigger part of the cultural zeitgeist and conversation than it ever has been previously. Right. Um, and you know, baseball, baseball has its own kind of issues, mostly around pace of, pace of play, but um, you know, it's, it's not to suggest that, that, you know, sports don't matter. College football, massively popular. Uh, it's just that, you know, you, you can, you can get to a point, right. And I think you're, you're, you're exactly right, Jeff. You sort of start to, you're so successful, so successful, so successful that you start to take the audience for granted. And then it sort of tips back the other way. I think we've seen the same thing happen amongst um, sort of quote unquote thought leaders in the marketing space, right? People sort of get more and more successful and they sort of take their audience for granted and it falls off. Certainly you see that thing uh, happen on uh, movie franchises, right? You, you know, let's make whatever, let's make Saw 13, right? And you're like, okay, <laughs> like, nobody cares about this except for a very core audience. Uh, and but I care about James Bond. Yeah, that's it. The good thing about James Bond is they're pretty, they're, you know, they're, they're pretty smart about not making them too quickly, right? They, they, they let it, you know, they, I read an article just this morning in the New York Times about uh, the American Idol reboot and, and a guy who's a very, very famous, uh, I forget his name, unfortunately, a reality TV executive uh, who's done tons and tons of shows said the problem with that reboot is they it was way too soon right so american idol just went off fox like what two years ago and right. now it's back on abc so the problem the mistake they made and the, rating, the reason the ratings aren't good is they didn't allow any nostalgia to build up right they didn't they didn't allow be like oh man remember american idol that was awesome it was just like boom boom it's back right and so ah. sometimes it's all sequencing right which is which is also true about the hero's journey right you know you've got a you know that, that whole overcoming of obstacles and I fought the monster, you know, you got to let that play out, right? That's why video games are so good at that, right? You know, it's like, it can't be easy to beat that monster at the middle of the game to get to the monster at the end of the game, right? And they've kind of got that figured out. Uh, it's down to a science. Yeah, well, it's it just even for ourselves, right? Like I know that some of the times when I have felt the most fulfilled are the times when I felt like I made the greatest climb, you know, where sure. I felt like I was at, the bottom and I made the greatest climb up, that's where the real fulfillment comes in. And I think it's because naturally we want to feel that we have created something that others couldn't create or that others wouldn't be able to, to respond though the way, the way that we have. And you know, looking at, looking at knowing that as the core th thread of that what people really want. I've asked this question in a variety of forms over the last four years of like, what is it you really want? Like if you had all the money in the world and you know, like money was no longer an object, you didn't have to work anymore, like what would you really do with your life? And almost every single person responds with the same answer said in a variety of ways. And it's like, I wanna go on vacation permanently. And so if that's the threat, but the reality is you don't, <laughs> right. No, it's true. You don't that it is true. Cause I experienced that as well, where I, you know, was because like, you I end up being, you end up being purposeless. Right. So right. It, it just doesn't work. Like, so I'm gonna tell you a quick story. My dad's a, a financial planner and has been for a long, long time. And, and as a result, you know, he interacts with, with people who have some sort of financial windfall from time to time and need to invest the money. So he had this client, this goes back 20 years or so. And this guy had won the lottery, literally won the lottery. Uh, and, and it was this pre Powerball. So it wasn't crazy, crazy, like insane, you know, half a billion dollars, but it was, you know, $20 million or something. Not so, too shabby. Not too shabby, right? It's still pretty good dough. So he, he was, uh, I think my dad said he was like sort of late 40s, probably the age uh, I am now. And, and he'd quit his job. And so my dad met him for lunch 
at this uh, at this restaurant in uh, in the town we grew up in Arizona, and they were talking, and you know, my dad's like, so you know, got a money, and yeah, we'll invest it, whatever. It's like, what do you like? What do you do? He's like, ah, you know, I fish in the morning, and then I you know, kind of jog in the afternoon, and just kind of hang out, work on some volunteer stuff. He's like, boy, I tell you what though, my favorite favorite days are Saturday and Sunday. My dad said, well. Saturday and Sunday, that's the weekend. Why does it matter? Every day is a weekend for you. It's like, yeah, because that's when my friends can hang out. Yeah. Right? And so, I, so like, you you know, having all this freedom and all this time sounds amazing until you have all that freedom and all that time and no yeah. purpose. Right. right. And also no one that can enjoy it with you. And yeah. I experienced that as well. You know, I took some, some downtime and I you know, found myself, ultimately what I wanted was people want a, a true vacation where they don't feel like they have to go back and do anything. They're not necessarily looking for not having purpose yeah. and not having meaning. But what they really looking, want is choices, not freedom. It's a different thing. Right. Well, the freedom of choice, I guess you could say. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and then and, some people ask me on podcasts, they say, well, what's, you know, how do you define success? And I said, I've got it. And I've done it for years, which is I only work on the projects I want to work on. And I only work with who I want to work with. And I have for 10 years, period. Everything else is just gravy. Like to me, that's all you need. If you get that, you're living the dream. Yeah, especially from a, from a, just from a work perspective. I mean, my dream is I want to work four hours a week, creating something that's totally cool that I love and doing it with amazing people, my friends in the industry and, and creating impact in the world. And, uh, and then to have a really a lot of time to be able to hang out with my family and chill yeah. and explore the world and, you know, do really cool things and be in a position where I can say yes to things, no matter what they are. If somebody says, hey, come to Brazil for a month, I want to say yes to that. You know, if somebody says, hey, come work on this really cool project that's going to take a year, I want to be able to say yes to that. And so, yeah, if you know at the core that what people are asking for is a vacation but what they really want is freedom of choice. I think you can create a really beautiful storyline around that, that if you can show your, how your product or service is, is offering those things for them. And then, and then, you know, there's some little things too underneath it. Of, I think that just as marketers, we can do simple things like including sound healing music in our mm. music tracks that open our heart chakras cool. open, you know, these are simple things that no one's ever going to notice, but can make all the difference in helping people process their pain and their fear. I think we could do something really impactful. I think you nailed it. You actually mentioned it. Um, you know, that's why the four hour work week is such a popular book. Right. right. Sort of tapped into everybody's desire, whether they actually could or not, you know, their desire to, hey, I could, that would be amazing, you know, uh, to be able to make that happen. Now, the reality is. Um, Even Tim doesn't work a four hour work week. Precisely. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> a little bit of an artificial construct. And, right. and, and, you know, part of the challenge is, you know, that, that, that thesis requires a level of entrepreneurship that probably not everybody is cut out for. Right. And they always say, right, that, you know, the great thing about starting your own company is you can quit a 40 hour a week job to work a 70 hour a week job. Uh, and, and, you know, which is uh, very, very, very true. There is no four hour work week, but I appreciate the theory. Well, I know somebody who has taken that and lived it. And it's one of our friends, John Lee Dumas. Yeah. I mean, he has taken it and he, I mean, he created a Smarter podcast. Than us. Smarter than us, for sure. Yeah. He created a podcast. He then monetized that podcast. He did it in a very intelligent way of doing it in its order, in its pieces. He created a training academy. And the last time I talked to him, he's like, yeah, man, I work, f I work four days a month 
those days are 12 hour days, yeah. but I only work four days a month. And then he's yeah. free to pursue anything else and outside of that. But I think it's because John was really clear about what he wanted from the beginning. And yeah. I noticed that for myself, even looking at launching, you know, the Conscious Marketing Institute, I found myself in my old pattern of overwork and over hustle. And this is another story that we're telling of over this hard work story that puts people into adrenal burnout. And in my case, like I bought into it so much that I ended up starting to have strokes at 37 years old because I was literally working too hard. So yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it goes through everything, as they say. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. Uh, I was remarking myself uh, and to Caitlin, my wife, about, uh, you know, last night I went back to work. I always go back to work on Sunday night because I really, really, I, I personally hate going into Monday not having my A game on, right? That's how I prepare. That's, that's just how I do it. So anyway, I was getting ready uh, for the week, and then I worked hard this morning before everybody was up and rolling. Now I'm doing my podcast and then I'm about to meet somebody. I'm going to go scout, do a photo shoot kind of a thing. And then I got some consulting stuff later in the day. It's a lot of work, but the way it's paced out and the way I can go goof off and take photos in the middle of the day or whatever, that is exactly the kind of freedom that I really, really appreciate being able to have that I haven't had for a couple of years. Being back in that type of world where you own your own schedule where you choose, as Jay had said, the projects you work on, man, that is delicious, man. That is delicious. It, That's it, why it, when it, I started Convince and Convert uh, 10 years ago, it'll be 10 years July 1st, um, from the very beginning, everybody on our team has always been halftime. So, you know, even though we've got, you know, quite a large staff now, everybody is halftime because I want them to have that time to go work on whatever they want to work on, right? Whether it's other projects or other clients or be with their family. We got a lot of moms on our team, uh, that kind of thing. It just, I just think you make, it just makes for better people and better outcomes. Now that, that, that schedule doesn't apply to me, but it applies to, but it applies to everybody else. And, and uh, I think we're a better organization uh, because of it. But you love what you do too. So yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, I mean, there's times where, where it gets a little uh, intense. I mean, I run pretty hard, like, and I always have. Um, you know, there's not a lot of people who are going to outwork me, but, um, you know, I'm a seventh generation entrepreneur too, right? Like, I don't really know like what, like, like what John does, like I'm envious of that, but I couldn't do it. Like, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't even know how to think like that. Uh, it ain't going to happen at this point. Right. So, so I, I, you know, I run pretty hard, uh, and there's times that that gets a little tough, but I would do this for free. I'm glad I don't have to, uh, but, but I would do it for free. Like I love what I'm doing and can't imagine doing anything else. So uh, it's all good, man. I, you know, there's not a lot of folks uh, that I would trade places with. That's for sure. Beautiful. I want to know who your favorite heroes are. Oh yeah. Favorite hero. favorite you never hero. answered that. Come on, man. <laughs> okay. Is it f favorite heroes? Um, or anti-hero or villain or whatever. I got to tell you, I really do like, I, I love Deadpool. I think it's awesome. I think it's so well-written. Uh, I cannot wait for the new one. Uh, I'm totally psyched. Um, I, you know, I, most, some people would call him a hero. Some people would, would call him an anti-hero. I still think, um, uh, I still think Elon Musk is a pretty interesting dude. And I just I feel like his, his ability to operate in a, in a world that is all about setting boundaries and to do that in a, in a boundaryless way, I think is really interesting. Uh, and I would tell you my other hero uh, who I've actually had the chance to interact with on a couple of occasions is Scott Harrison, who started Charity Water, who talked about a hero's journey. I mean, the guy was you know, a cocaine addicted um, club promoter and, and created from scratch 
an organization that's doing just unbelievable work for for people who who can't even get water uh and and their you know operating expenses are are almost nothing for that organization uh i mean talk about somebody running a non-for-profit the right way he's just uh, he's he's a hero I would say for me, um, so we just had this conversation a little bit before you got on, Jay. Um, I would say Rick from Rick and Morty. Nice. Nice. Good one. (laughs) Is one of my favorites because he's both the hero and the anti-hero. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Combo platter. At the same time. Um, So I really enjoy him. I also, like in looking and seeing myself in superheroes, I would say... Um, I'm kind of that super wonder woman, right? Like I have this dream of flying, but I also have the lasso of truth. Like I can, I can <laughs> tell you if somebody Oof. is lying cause I can see energy. So like, I literally can tell you when someone's lying all the time. That's useful. Should bring you to bring you to like poker tournaments and just have you sit or sit there. Yeah, I'd be good. <laughs> so I would definitely say that. And then my other one, I, you know, I really, there is something about what Elon is doing that inspires me because he's doing it against all odds, right? He's taking something insane, like I'm going to go commercialize space travel. And then he's doing it. And he's literally, he's able to deliver on his visions. And so his, his resolve and being able to number one, not only have the vision to have the knowledge and expertise to be able to execute the vision and then the resolve to stick with it yep. more than anybody else. Like that really inspires me. And then the last would be Steve Jobs from just a creative perspective. Like, yeah. you know, people don't realize Steve Jobs was actually highly spiritual, you know, and you listen to like his backstory and stuff. And it's like, wow, like this guy really did things differently consistently and did it unapologetically and created an amazing technology as a result. That's for sure. Uh, I'll go Dark Knight. Somebody's nice. always got to do it, but nice. good. I mean, particularly the Christian Bale version of it. I mean, yeah, super good, super good, super flawed. Uh, really, an anti-hero. Somebody and that really got Batman's the best one, right? Of all those, it's the most, you know, yeah. acknowledging of of foibles of superheroes. I think that's just why that 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 character has always appealed to me more than most. Right, and I'll top of it he doesn't have any superpowers right Right. he's just basically he's got super superpower money that's it really rich right of course i'm not that but uh that's why iron Iron man's cool too right like you know it's like yeah he's got a suit but he just bought the suit right it's (laughs) yeah i feel like marvel like if they took daredevil and iron man and combined them then they have batman yeah yes good call i like that Um, and then i'd say uh real life people eli weasel is uh amazing Yep. and for obvious reasons and then to have gone through what he went through and to to give such great gifts to society is just uh it's impressive you know and yeah. he, i don't really feel like he's about himself i really feel like he's like that true writer that has to write or has to communicate yeah, yeah. And, he's like the documentarian right he's like i got to tell these stories absolutely right so he he's one of those guys for me and uh i just think it's pretty amazing um and then I, I would say, uh, I know it's kind of cliche uh, these these days, but I would say Barack Obama, and not so much for his presidency, even though there, there were parts of it I liked, there were parts I didn't like, like everybody else, but actually the way he's handled himself since he left, and man, he is he has been slammed to hell. And I, I think anybody that doesn't think that he's been like, uh, at least put down quite a bit since he left office and uh, attacked and the current administration is, is not being honest. And 
what's impressed me about it is not so much that, uh, you know, that's happened, but how he's responded or really not responded. And I don't think it really seems to affect him publicly. And I think most people, I think 99% of people could not help themselves and would have responded by now in some way, at least about something. And he has been the consummate professional and gentleman about what's happened. And, uh, you know, he's moved on. And I, I think it's really impressive. I think it's a great character example. Yeah, I like that. I like that one too. And also he was chastised during his pregnant or his presidency as well. I just have pregnancy thinking about my baby in my belly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's easy to, to not remember. Totally different stories. But. Different stories. Awesome. Well, thank, thank you both for, for joining us today. As for marketers who are looking at this and looking at their own hero's journey in storytelling, we just encourage you to think, think outside of the box. Try something new. Certainly test it against everything else that you're doing, but let's together find the next hero's journey in a way that is empowering humanity in, in order to step into our full potential and what a beautiful boon that would be for everyone. So if you want to hear more about Jeff, you can uh, go to livingstoncampaigns.com. And for Jay, you can go to convinceandconvert.com. And obviously you can check out the Conscious Marketing Institute at consciousmarketinginstitute.com. Thank you so much for joining. Have an amazing day. The Conscious Marketing Podcast is produced by WCR Studios. Want to have your show produced by us? Learn more at WCRstudios.com. Music for the Conscious Marketing Podcast is provided by Sophia Fleming. Please check out our new album, Collection of Reflections. Just search for Sophia Fleming online. Thank you for joining the Conscious Marketing Podcast and taking a look in the mirror with us. We hope you found you learned something new about yourself and have another tool to help raise the bar of consciousness in our industry. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to give us a review. Every review matters and helps another marketer find their way here. Want to have next week's episode automatically queued up for your commute? Remember to subscribe before you leave. We thank you for your support. Please go to ConsciousMarketingInstitute.com for show notes, links, and other awesome resources. It is our honor to serve you. Now, let's go change the world.